Cheers. I'm Kader. I'm Ambi. Welcome to Diplomacy Games. And a podcast about all things diplomacy. Yes. Well, mostly diplomacy. Mostly diplomacy. We've and been... A oh, fair bit of alcohol involved as well. That's what we try to do, but we've been we've been letting the team down, Kader, haven't we? Mm. We, uh, we, we, yeah. we aim ideally to keep to like a episode every two weeks, but yes. we've both been in difficult positions where we've been dropping the ball of late so uh, our, our apologies to the listeners around that one we'll try to get better well yeah, potentially but, yeah but we actually yeah, have to make an effort to, make an to effort try to, to get try. better not just yeah. say we're going to try to get better yeah. um, where are we drinking i think we're at a place called bar brutus so we're in fish lane in south brisbane so we've been to a couple of places in fish lane before uh, like saccharamides and maybe somewhere else but it's actually a pretty interesting ambience like we've got well, probably here, dear listener, um, the train's going by every now and then. That's because we're right underneath the train line. Um, it's got that cyberpunk feel to it. Minus the neon lights. Well, it's because, because the train line is up there on a bridge, it's almost like, you know, a monorail or something like that way above us. Yeah. We've got a, you know, like a skyscraper off in the distance. Yep. We've got fernery happening underneath the train I should take line. a photo now before it kind of gets all dark. Oh, we're not going to stay at Bar Brutus. We're going no, to no. Uh, do a bit of a pub crawl in this episode. Yeah, so um, yeah, so we are going to go to a couple of different places, mainly because it's quite a small bar here, and we're like, how far? About 20 yards, 15 yards from another bar that looks pretty good as well, which is like literally, literally under the train line bridge. So we'll move on to that one and then uh, see how we go and maybe I'll move on to a third. So there's, there's a few places down here to um, partake alcoholic beverages at. There is, quite a few. But um, did you like how before we started recording there was hardly any trains? And no, like start. As soon as we start recording, fucking trains everywhere. Yep. Anyway, so um, you've been on holidays lately. I have been on holidays. Uh, glorious, glorious holidays. Been down to Stanford. Um, it didn't snow, unfortunately. It got cold enough, but the water just wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. But um, uh, rent, like, rented a cabin at the uh, Granite Belt Brewery. Oh, nice. Yes. So, the glorious part of the world. And, you know, satisfies my alcoholic tendencies by, you know, having a five-minute walk through some bushland to the actual brewery itself. So, and they do a good job, I have to say. And they've got some decent enough wines out there. Not, not fantastic wines, but decent enough. We had, because um, I was recently on holidays myself, and it's part of the reason that we've both been on holidays, so we haven't been able to get together to record. That's one good reason. But um, during my holidays, I went to a, uh, what was called the Regional Flavours Festival, which oh, yeah. was here at South Bank. And they had basically like all local food and, and local beverages. Yep. Um, Mrs. Ambie particularly liked the gin that was made by the Brisbane Gin Distillery Company or something like that. But I had a number of really good wines that were from our Stanthorpe Way, which I was very pleasantly surprised at. Well, it's well known for its wine. Yeah, it's a wine well, region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wine region. But normally you kind of think of places like Barossa and, you know, Hunter Valley and yeah, Margaret River yeah, around yeah, Australia. Yeah, so yeah. it's a little bit less of a profile. So maybe later on we have this very long pub crawl all the way up there. 
Which is a bit difficult since about the three and a half hours drive away, but anyway. Oh, not really. It's two hours, really. I don't know. How two fast hours. do you drive? <laughs> Speed limit. <laughs> well, three hours if you go Queensland's Falls. Yeah. Which is a nice scenic route. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's really. I don't know how you. No, I don't. I don't know how you go that way. You can. You could theoretically. You can. Yeah. It takes you up. Um, pops you out of Boona. Yeah, that's a, actually that's that's a really nice drive going up towards Queen Anne Falls, isn't it? With all that lovely, glorious. rolling countryside, yep. you actually yep. think you're like back in rural England or something like that. It's amazing. It's definitely got that snowy mountain feel. Train. Anyway, yeah, so I'm going to we're going to finish off our Bolter Lager here, um, and we haven't even finished play the interview. No, we haven't. We still got a lot of intro stuff to do. Have we? No, I thought we were just going to sort of jump into the oh, okay. interview, and then we'll do a, a reverse <laughs> intro. <laughs> Reverse intro after that. But we haven't done we haven't done like diplomacy news. Oh, I was thinking just the traffic. It would be good to make a move. Like, well, you've kind of barely touched your drink. I can speed up. Don't worry about that. We did do a cheers at the start, didn't we? Well, let's do another cheers. Let's do another cheers yeah. for good measure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm having a Bolton lager, which is not too bad actually. The, is it the lager or the XPA? Because oh. I had the same lager. thing. Yeah. It actually does taste like a lager. You're right. Yep. Yeah, I can't bad. actually read your writing, so you tell me what's next. Okay, so next, well, because you're on holidays, yeah. one of the things you did, you're a man of leisure right now, so before we caught up, you kind of did a little bit of light shopping. Oh, I did. Oh. I think someone else's phone. That's not my phone, that's my ringtone, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I did, actually. I bought, I went, I visited Mind Games, which is like a, um, a store that specialises in board games here in Australia. Yep. Um, and I bought a game called Imperial Struggle, which is a game that focuses on um, the global rivalry between Britain and France, essentially over the years of uh, 1697 through to 1789. You have good eyes. Yeah, I was sort of, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I was just wondering, like it's a two-player game, yeah. essentially. I was just wondering if Legendary Tactics has ever played it or is, is, is looked at on this So is uh, it like, channel. because it's like Struggle, is this kind of like a extension to something like Twilight Struggle or whatever? Um, no, it's, it's a, how would you call it? It's a sister thing, a cousin thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in a similar it's stable. It's a similar, struggle, a similar vein to Twilight Struggle. Right. So, um, I love the board, you know, it's got that fish eye version of the Oh, that's just kind of like what what we talked about, I think maybe back in episode one of the show around having a a new, um, what was it, like a... Had a way to show sections of the globe. Yeah, yeah, like like a global map, but kind of having the areas that are really, really tightly condensed, unpacked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's that's really good. Um, But I picked it up because it's a really interesting period of history, and I thought I would... Well, a game like this usually needs a bit of digestion when it comes to, um, you know, how the rules work. Yeah. So figuring that out and, um, yeah, finding someone to play. Well, I'm always yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> how long does it take to play? Mm. It's also yeah. Mrs. Kainer and... Uh, yeah. Um, time. Four to 17 years. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the... Oh, that was the end game turns, I think. Oh, right. Um, it doesn't actually say length of time you'd expect to play it. 
Actually, can I just digress for a second? Make it diplomacy related. Yeah. The fact that that game has like the game can go for four to seventeen game years. The seventeen game years I can understand because like when you're in a tournament, some tournaments obviously are capped for when uh, you know the game's going to finish after seventeen years. Wouldn't diplomacy be an interesting game if you couldn't eliminate a player? In the first three years, you had to at least last four years. How does that work? How, how, how would you do that? I don't know. I'm just saying. Because that way, you well, kind of um, a player that gets picked on at the start couldn't be killed off, and maybe then starts kind of trying to flip players. I don't know. What do you call that variant? Care Bear variant. Um, life support. I don't know. Something like you, you can't be killed off. Maybe like once you get down to one supply centre, you, you know, no one's allowed to attack them. As a, for the first three years. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean after. Like, for example, I'll give you an example. Let's say um, uh, I'm Turkey, you're Russia, and uh, actually, it's a bad example. What's a country that can be easily collapsed quickly? Well, they could all be pretty collapsed quickly if you're going up on it. Okay, let's presume Russia. So let's assume that all of a sudden England decides to go into Norway and then start attacking St. Pete. Germany's on part of the deal, they're kind of going for Warsaw and Moscow, and Turkey's also on the deal and he's going for Sev. Yep. Now, you can have a Russia kind of eliminated then in three years, no problems at all. Yep. Sometimes even two years. Austria, Germany, they could all suffer the same fate. Yeah, but the idea yep. being that you still can't kill someone off. Before autumn 1903, hey? Would that encourage more wild play. Probably would actually, it'd be quite interesting. Would you get some weird I don't reckon you probably would, you get some weird openings. So. Yeah. Yeah. You get some fun openings because people could do this and not worry that they won't get knocked out in the first six turns. Very true, very true. Yeah. What if I suppose someone could game it by letting them into a territory, let them keep like say Romania but yeah. force disband all of their other units and then pick it up in a later game. Yep. Anyway, anyway it's just I, still haven't, I still haven't figured out how to properly play Twilight Struggle yet. So, but you've already upgraded. <laughs> upgraded to a different era. <laughs> yeah. Very nice, very nice. So, um, other things. Another train? Yes. Oh, fuck. So we're recording this currently on Wednesday the 7th of July yeah. and if everything goes well the, the episode will be sorry that's that's Australia's time if everything goes well the, the episode will come out on Saturday the 10th of July so in three days time okay. I do have a few things coming up which might kind of delay the release by maybe a day yeah. but the reason I'm bringing all that up is I think all diplomacy players around the world need to kind of put in their calendar the 21st of July. What's on the 21st of July? Well, that's the day that there's going to be the announcement of who's hosting the 2032 Olympics. 2032? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as we've already talked about before, that's the Olympics that we're going to be aiming to get the game diplomacy as an actual (laughs) official Olympic sport. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So I think it's critical that everyone around the world tunes in, and Brisbane gets it, they got to know that we're going to be going pushing hard. <laughs> we're going to be meeting with, you know, ministers and prime ministers and 
Well, the way the media has been spinning, it's practically a done deal as to how, you know, where where that Olympics is going to be. That's right. You heard it first here. Diplomacy is an Olympic sport. <laughs> oh, I'd like to see that. Um, last bit of news I've got is um, a number of people saw this on uh, the Reddit forum for diplomacy, but I, I, I did kind of pick it up through through Twitter, and that's around a new um, smartphone app that's come out to play the game called Primacy. Oh, is that a an Android or is that a? Well, it's actually Android and iPhone. Ooh, Primacy. Yeah. Ooh. So I've, I've signed up, I'm playing a game um, I will talk a little bit more about it in the Patreon episode but, cool. so, um, Primacy So Primacy, so yeah, look, it's on both Android and Apple um, And we will, I will be, sorry, we will be talking a little bit more about this in our Patreon episode Okay So if you're interested, you know, patreon.com slash diplomacy games Only two bucks a month Um but we're looking at doing something. Let me just kind of do a teaser. We're looking at doing a, a broader conversation around apps um, in the in the diplomacy world in the in a future episode. Let's just put it that way. Oh, excellent, fantastic, cool. So, I don't know how I missed that. Because you've been in, in Stanthorpe, kind of <laughs> underneath the beer barrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're not underneath the beer barrel, it's kind of like because Mrs. Kane has picked you up and rolled you into the. Uh, Roll me back to the cabin. Right, we'll back right, to yeah. the cabin. <laughs> anyway, right, yeah. so um, how about we get to our interview? It's been a long while till we, till we got to the interview. Yes. Um, so this is you interviewing two of your fellow teammates from the or, Media Wars Two game. Yeah, I would call them teammates. Like you're, they're your main protagonists. Yeah, they were my main protagonists. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I had a good time listening to this, but um, did you want to say anything more before we start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so our interview today is is with uh, Ed Sullivan, uh, who also goes by online by the handle of Go Horns Go. He has the uh, uh, the YouTube channel called The Diplomats, uh, and also we're joined by uh, a player who's got many, many names. Um, mostly known in the community as either Village Idiot, fucking train. Yeah, so um, goes by the name of both either Village Idiot, yep, or Ewok. Where does he play in the e- 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 Ewok? I think definitely on Nexus. Nexus, okay. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know if he plays on Playdip as that, I don't know. I think on Webdip he's well known and, and Vdip as Village Idiot. Yeah. But, um, so, he doesn't actually have a, a, a channel, an online media, you know, diplomacy thing. But he's but it, stepped in to play. He stepped in, just like last time he stepped in. But um, we will talk about that during the, the interview itself. Now, I will say one thing, just before we kind of kick it off... The audio quality at my end isn't quite as good as normal. Um, I've been having lots of problems with my laptop, which is like old, groaning, archaic, and I couldn't get the whole Skype thing working. And then once I got Skype working, my computer wouldn't allow me to get the audio right, like it was recording from the wrong devices. Okay. But so having listened to it, it's only for the first two minutes that you're... Well, so, so was particularly on your side, yeah, where the yeah. audio wasn't crash off. Was breaking up a little bit, yeah. but after you know, after a minute and a half, it gets okay. Yeah, so, so we did end up actually. Rec- I recorded this just using my normal iPhone. Okay. So it may not be as, as good as normal, but um, yes, we'll we'll talk about all that that shit later. But enough about that. Let's go to the interview, hey? So here's Ed Sullivan, Go Horns Go, Village Idiot slash Ewok. Cheers. 
Cheers. Ed Sullivan and Village Idiot, welcome to the Diplomacy Games podcast. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you, Amy. you on. <laughs> Thanks. It's a pleasure to be so, here. It's a bucket list item. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's about, t- it's about time I got asked to be on someone else's show. <laughs> well, actually, I was going to say, this is the first one of your, um, your episodes that you put out for the diplomats, Ed, you kind of did cane me at one stage for not uh, interviewing you previously and inviting you on the show, which I thought was a bit of a poor form, but fortunately it came up. It matter. Um, but that being said, you know, it was... It was, it was good. I think part of the reason was you kind of got me confused at the start as being a Captain Mean's sidekick. No, 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 no. Don't ever confuse me with Ezio. <laughs> no, 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 no. He, he's a high-level diplomacy player. That's what they bill him as, high-level expert diplomacy player. So I'm not that. Well, you, won't, well, no, no, no. you won't get any of that from me either. I can assure you of that. Um, so for our, for our listeners today, so just setting the context, so um, Ed Sullivan also goes by the name of Go Horns Go, uh, one of the, uh, the well, I suppose the, the leading person within the the diplomats um, YouTube channel, and of course the other pseudonyms such as on where you are around the world, um, participated in as. The uh, Media Wars 2 uh, game that was organised by Humble Heat from the Diplomacy Briefing. And um, I must admit, this was a great experience because I survived a hell of a lot longer than I did in Media Wars 1. So um, I, I did find uh, the speech to your... you. You were eliminated in 1903 in Media Wars 1. That's right. I didn't even last longer than that period of time. <laughs> Which I think is one of your number one goals was to survive uh, Media Wars longer than Zach did in, in Media Wars 1. Right. And then on top I, of that... I, I, yeah, exactly. There you go. And, um, and then on top of that, you obviously had a, another plan to, to kill Ezio. Um, so what happened um, So that, that wasn't too bad. I'm interested in the Lady Razor had to, to bow out. How did you kind of involved in the game did humble kind of reach out to you and what were your thoughts at the time yeah uh humble reached out to me um lady razor had to pull out um uh for for whatever reasons um i was the the go-to sub last time around um i I think he knows that i'm a i'm a sucker that i can't really say no to anything Uh, (laughs) so i i jumped at this when he he came to it I, i i love all the guys that are involved in this and i I was all all about getting involved and getting a chance to um, participate yet again. So, so whilst Ed wanted to uh, survive longer than uh, Zach did, Zach Moore, and also kill Ezio, did you actually have any particular goals in your game, or you just wanted just to come in and have fun? I had absolutely no goals, no game plan. Um, last time around, when I came in, I, I did come in uh, pretty shorthanded. I, I got dropped in. Um, you know, in a, in a tough situation this time around, it wasn't so tough. Um, I knew I'd have a chance to actually have some uh, legs in the game. So, you know, it, it was nice to be able to have a, a second chance at um, redeeming myself. I, I managed to survive last time around, but just barely. 
Um, I never really had any opportunity to play last time around. So this time, um, yeah, it, it was fun to actually get a chance to do something um, rather than just survive. Excellent. Um, and what obviously, something did you do? You just backfilled yeah. my centers the whole game. <laughs> it's still better than I did last time. Last time I was just fighting to survive, kicking and screaming. So that was something. <laughs> so I actually got a question around that, around that edge and uh, village idiot. So what was the backstory there? Because as, as another, as a player on the other side of the board, it seemed very much that uh, Ed was just bequeathing supply centers. What was the comms that was going around at the time? Was that the case or was it, you know, a bit of pressure being put on by yourself, B.I.? I I Um, never offered them. No, not really. Uh, That's not true. We we negotiated most of those things. Um, The point of it at the time was I was just holding a line. And for me to be able to continue to hold that line, um, you know, when when it became a north versus south um, battle, I, I needed to have resources. I needed to have centers. So... Um, you know, if I didn't have enough armies, it would collapse and they would, you know, the South would, would rise and, and take over the North. So for me to be able to do my role in the game, um, I, I just needed to have more, um, more armies. That makes sense. I mean, you both, both of you guys played remarkably well. You both kind of topped the board on 10 supply centers, um, and, were reasonably loyal allies almost all the way through the game. This this whole game that we played in, there was very few players that got stabbed or, or flipped back and forth. I think the only real ones would have been Ezio when um, he took Belgium off you, uh, Ed, and then you decided to um, start putting the knife into him well and truly. And then I think also with uh, Oliver down in Turkey, occasionally flipping backwards and forwards between whether he wanted to stay on Commonwealth side, which was the southern, um, the southern powers, or go, go and help yourself out a little bit. Vi. Um, so j- during the during the game, I mean, what why why did you guys come together so well? I mean, I think Ed, you talked about in some of your earlier videos that initially you were a little bit trepidatious. You were this. Um, you'd obviously started off with a very very peculiar. Sorry. You didn't start off with a peculiar opening. You were the recipient of a peculiar opening in spring 1901 when um, Russia moved into from Warsaw into Silesia. Uh, I moved Venice up into Tyrolia. And, of course, France moved into Burgundy. And then you were facing, you know, three players all clustered around Munich. Uh, that was a very, very... So I was surprised that that actually happened the way it was because there had been talk amongst those three players to do exactly that. Um, and... I was surprised it happened. But I was actually more surprised then by your schmoozing of Ezio and building up that relationship over time by actually getting him to support you back into to Munich at the time. Um, and from that point of view, all three of you kind of worked together very much hand in glove. What was, what was going on there in the background, Ed, in those conversations? Okay, so I knew Ezio's moves uh, before they happened. So, and I, I didn't know if you had moved to Tyrol or not. And Lady Razor absolutely lied to me. Uh, uh, so all I did was work uh, my social game with Ezio. Cause I, that's probably my strong point. And I relentlessly schmoozed the guy uh, about it. And I think I was helped 
uh, by England. Not that England was on my side, but England, uh, Florida man was quite pushy. I mean, his, his, <laughs> his sense of negotiation was, you know, you had to do it his way, you know, period. There was no give and take with him. And so I think Ezio felt like he needed to work with somebody and that's how, uh, uh, you know, I sort of worked with him to to get France on my side there, and I probably cabled or pressed Russia fifty times after Spring nineteen oh one, explaining how this would never go well for him, that he could take Sweden. I wouldn't bounce him there, but. Uh, not to do anything in Berlin. Uh, uh, and I told him I was covering Berlin. He said, you don't need to. I told Amby I'm supporting him into Tyrolia, but I'm not. He just, he just, uh, he kind of just gave in. I just sort of wore him down over 20 mm-hmm. hours of texting. So, I mean, is, is that part of your normal style, would you say, Ed? Or was that just, you know, you, you, that was your approach for this particular player and the way that they were responding? I tend to try and figure out who the player is and what they'll respond to. I'm not as good as, say, uh, Village Idiot on that. He's like, I mean, I if I didn't know what he did for a real living, I thought he'd be like a psychotherapist or something. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I sort of knew their pressure points uh, and the pressure point for Lady Razor was, I just don't think he wanted to get embarrassed and I, well, nobody wants to be embarrassed, but I sort of played up the all suicide into you thing and uh, that worked. Cool. Um, that, that move Sorry, into spring 1901, I also, as you said, moved up into Tyrolia. Did you recall our conversations at the time and, and my stupid plan? Yeah, I believe your plan was, it was, and it wasn't so much of a collaboration. I think it was more of an insisting that you were going to go to Munich and thrust yourself into Burgundy, which might, I mean, I know that's a rare play, but that's never how I'm going to play Germany, uh, you know, ever. I think I basically said, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but after you moved to Tyrolia, you said, oh, I changed my orders. And I think you told everybody else you changed that you forgot to change your orders, but I didn't believe you. Because of what Lady Razor had told yeah, me. Yeah, I actually legitimately supports to support you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a bit of, bit of bullshit going on, I must admit. Um, but but in, in hindsight, I think as, as my co-host kind of pointed out, um, the, the, the plan to kind of swing around from Italy attacking France via Munich into Burgundy um, only really works well if it's kind of initiated, I think, by Germany offering it to Italy because uh, otherwise, unless you've got a very trusting Germany, it's, it's unlikely to kind of pull off. So um, I, I was doing it primarily from a content creation point of view, like just trying to make things interesting from the start, kind of get a bit of interest. But, you know, realistically, when we kind of look at the way that players who succeed in diplomacy go, that's not the way it happens. It's that methodical approach of working with your allies, working across the board that I saw from both of you. Um, 
why do you feel that that's a, a apart from the fact that it actually works, um, why do you feel that that is a tactic that works better for yourselves? Greg, jump in there. Sorry, one second. My daughter just walked in. You'll have to <laughs> give me a second. All right, so I'll go, which All is, right. cool. uh, for me, I view diplomacy primarily as a game of trust. And uh, the more that players trust you, the better you're going to do long-term. And the only way you sort of get trust in a game is to give trust. So that's my complete gameplay right there, which is I didn't care about Belgium, as you can see. Not that it would have mattered, but even if you weren't in Tyrolia or Russia wasn't in Silesia, I wouldn't have worried about Belgium. I'm always going to want my ally to feel like this is a guy who's not going to give me a hard time and is going to trust me. Uh, where I've gone wrong is uh, I've gone back and forth in my press game. I had a lot of early success and I've been sort of middling now for 18 months. And I think it's because uh, people think I have too sweet a tongue and they don't trust me. I think that was my problem in Media Wars 1, where I got attacked by three, Brother Board, Zach, and Jeff in Spring 1901. Here it happened again, and I was like, ugh, this is the pattern repeating itself, where because of sort of how light my press is and how friendly it is, uh, people distrust me. And I really don't know what to do about that, because the other thing I have in diplomacy is I've got to be me. If I'm not genuine or authentic, I think it reads as inauthentic. And those people usually are not trustworthy. So it's something I'm working on. Yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, because for me, um, the appeal of Ed was, uh, you know, I've I played with Ed quite a few times over the past um, uh, couple of years um, and he's really been honing his reputation for being that um, trustworthy and, and giving um, ally. And, and I, I've seen that and I know that. And I know that when I work with Ed that um, he can be that guy for me. And we, we had a lot of very um, overly trusting borders between us um, because mm -hmm. we knew that he's not one to necessarily jump on every opportunity given to him. And, and we built that up as time went on that um, he had a lot of opportunities to stab me to a, a very lucrative um, gain and he didn't. And, and that's how, as we went on, we were able to have that freedom to um, keep those uh, very exposed borders. And, and you know, when it became a North versus South um, battle, uh, we were able to really um, make a lot of headway and, and and get that extreme leverage to be able to push down without, with knowing, with, with a lot of confidence that there wasn't going to be a lot of stabbing going on back and forth. So one problem I had early in the, in the game was trying to work out and trying to find an ally who I could actually work with. Now, putting aside the stupid move to Tyrolia, <laughs> um, in my conversations just generally with, uh, with France, with Ezio, with yourself there, there's Germany, with... Um, uh, legendary tactics as uh, Austria and Oliver as uh, as Turkey. I found it really really hard to kind of get anybody to kind of you know to actually kind of really commit to anything like the way that that you're both talking about. Um, 
do you feel that that's again a more reputation thing that you know you can trust the player you've worked with that player in the past I mean it's not metagaming as such but you're kind of calling upon your experiences with other players to work out what a good alliance structure would be what are your thoughts on that yeah I can I can speak to that like I when I joined this particular game um I got a bunch of notes from Lady Razor. I joined in 1902 and his notes were, um, I'm in an alliance with Turkey. Uh, he originally wanted to attack Germany, um, but ended up getting no support from France. So the sea lion attack on England happened and that he wanted to kill Austria with Turkey and work with Italy in a mid game. Um, and I wanted to honor his original plans and I had actually hoped to um, work with you. And I don't think we, I'm not really sure why that didn't happen. I, I did try to get a lot of communication and I suspect um, it was just that um, your relationship with Lady Razor, you know, I wasn't able to um, jump into that position automatically. And I think there's probably some um, mistrust because of, I'm not sure if it's resume or, or what it is, but we just never were able to um, get, or, or maybe it was time zones, I'm not sure, but we would never get enough of a mm. conversation going to uh, make anything happen. But I, I actually had a lot of interest in um, working with you uh, early on. So uh, maybe you have... Um, a, a perspective on why we were able to never able to get something going. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think I think you're right. I mean, there was there was definitely an opportunity there for for, for a winter grain uh, against Austria. I mean, legendary tactics lied straight to my face um, around what his plans were because I think I don't know if you saw he kind of tried to attack Venice with Trieste in was it like fall 901 or whatever. Um, and at that point of time, I thought, mm, you know, I didn't necessarily feel that he was being um, genuine. Now, I can understand why, because the confusion around what happened with Tyrolia. Um, but anyway, um, so look, I was, I was open very much to that, but I think that was even predating yourself coming onto the board, um, Pilagidia. It was, I think mm. we were still dealing with Lady Razor at the time. Actually, one thing that you did mention that was really interesting. Oh, sorry, you, you want to keep going? Sorry. Yeah, this is me. I, well... I thought legendary tactics negotiating style was not the way I would do it. He was insistent that no one moved to Tyrolia. And I think in a modern AI, Italy's either got to go to Trieste or Tyrolia in spring 1901. Like why he seemed so opposed to it was beyond me. And I was sort of hoping that like my long-term my hope was that you and Austria would just either get it together and fight an RT uh, or fight. I, and I didn't really care either way because I felt like if you were fighting, then France would have to swing down uh, uh, to help and leave an opening for me. I think uh, legendary taxes is a it's sort of like Florida man. He's, he's an insistent negotiator. And uh, I like people who are flexible in their negotiations uh, understanding that it's give and take and you have to be able to understand the other person's perspective. Italy's a power that has a hard tempo to uh, sustain. Mm -hmm. I would have had no problem with you moving there. I think that you were limited uh, in that respect. I, I don't think it's your fault that you could have done anything better, but as someone, I mean, I think in the last game, all three of us had our various issues with, legendary tactics who also played Austria in that game too. And, and mm -hmm. it, he's yep. a difficult person to work with, although very personable. I'm not, it's not a personal thing. It's just, 
in terms of negotiating style, it's 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 a variable that you have to deal with. It, it only kind of works well with a negotiation if, if you do get a really solid alliance with him, which is obviously what happened uh, in that game after we kind of, he and I had a little bit of a miscommunication and then we kind of sorted things out when it became obvious that there was potential there for an RT. Um, and from that point on, it was just a case of then building on that and that was fine then. But I, I, I yeah, you raise, you raise a good point, Ed. Um, so, I mean, there was, a, there was a time there where the, the RT was happening. Um, actually, I will go back to one thing you said before, Bill Idiot, which was like how Rady Laser, Rady Laser, Rady Laser, <laughs> Lady Razor, fuck, I only had one beer, uh, how <laughs> Lady Razor kind of handed over his notes effectively through to you around this is what's happening, and he just picked that up and just ran for it. Just mm-hmm. more of a, an observation from, from the other side of the board. I, I barely even noticed a apart from the fact that Umble said we've got a new player playing Russia, barely even noticed that there'd been a change in leadership in the Russian government. It was basically exactly the same policies being followed, you know, to a T. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, it was, it was very clear to me that was, that was the case. And that was okay. There's no problem about that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, look, there was, there was an opportunity early on for an RT and then things became a little bit, I don't know what happened with, between uh, Russia and, and Turkey, but it became very, very, quickly we were able to kind of flip Turkey to kind of, um, you know, to, to create an alliance of three in the south. I'm just trying to remember when, when that occurred. Have you got the maps there at all, Ed? Yeah. I think well, that I was think around 1903. Yeah, here. No, yeah, spring of 04. Okay. Well, it would so, have been winter of 03 as soon as he built that Ankara fleet. It was, it was over. Yeah, I'm trying. Actually, I, I probably have to go back and, and re-listen to some of his commentary after the game as well for, for what happened. But there was, I think, at the time, what we were trying to achieve was I was trying to take out France, and the idea behind that obviously was trying to get Austria and Turkey to concentrate on, on Russia. And, and at the same time, we had this uh, emerging issue of yourself, Ed, you know, running around in, in Tyrolia and Bohemia. Um, yeah, I mean, it was something that, that that we kind of worked on very, very quickly where it was an opportunity for, to kind of come together. It was very clear that there was a, a northern alliance of the three and the only way to kind of survive was to become a southern alliance of three, even though we were the weaker ones. And then just trying to tactically um, stop yourselves coming down and, and getting there. What was the feeling in the north? Like how, how obvious was it that the south had solidified behind a common goal to kind of stop yourselves? I mean, by this time, it was it was pretty obvious. It was a, a north versus south. Um, yeah, it's I, I can I can speak to what happened between um, the juggernaut and, and why it ended up uh, falling apart. Um, I, I think it was mostly uh, based off of his frustration of not being able to grow um, in any direction. Um, that was uh, driven by a bit of um, miscommunication, or I guess I don't know. We had a couple opportunities to grow. Um, but I wasn't able to um, get him to see the tactical um, plans I had. We, we could have taken Romania and Bulgaria easily um, back in, I think it was 1903, uh, but I just wasn't able to um, properly explain to him 
like plans to how he was able to cut Serbia and still keep Bulgaria. And because of that, at one point I ended up losing Romania because he wasn't um, on board with the plan. And then the next round he was on board with the plan, but he ended up losing Bulgaria because again, he wasn't able to um, see what I was just trying to explain to him about how he could you know, pull his fleet back into Bulgaria, save it, a beleaguered attack and everything's fine. So because of that, um, we lost a lot of momentum uh, needlessly. Um, so because of that, yeah, he just, he just ended up not growing at all. Uh, there was one uh, moment in the game where I had accidentally sent a message to Austria that was intended for um, Turkey about his moves. Uh, I, I think that got back to him. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a bit of a flub. So um, that was able to get repackaged as a leak rather than an accident. And all of that <laughs> combined together <laughs> led to him um, turning on me. So yeah, it became uh, a north versus south. Um, uh, inaccurately labeled the Commonwealth versus the non-Commonwealth because I am Canadian. Just like uh, that was actually, there, 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 there was actually a conversation amongst the, the Commonwealth in the South when someone pointed out that, yes, they understood you were Canadian <laughs> and we went, oh, we just, we just ignored that fact. Uh, <laughs> I, I never so viewed yeah, that's it a, as... That's a, what led to that. I never viewed it as a Northern Alliance. Sorry. I never, it ended up being a Northern Alliance for a while, but I was always intending to move against either Village Idiot or Ezio at the right time. And I've learned this from Village Idiot over the years, which is uh, it's hard to manufacture a stab, but it's a lot easier when your allies take themselves out of position uh, and help you. And I was, fairly confident village idiot would never give up any position on me, which he never did, but I didn't know about Ezio and you, this jousting that was occurring on in the Mediterranean only, you know, kept my eye on France and should I make a move, but I was waffling back and forth until, uh, as to what to do. And Ezio made it easy when he dotted me for Belgium. Yeah, I had always assumed that the, the threesome in the north would fall apart as well. Um, but then when the south solidified and started putting pressure on us, that solidified us and became a bit of a um, self-fulfilling prophecy. And then suddenly we were threesome for a while there uh, until um, Germany and France had uh, started fighting. And by that time, you know, Ed had just given me so much goodwill that I, I'd lost most interest in stabbing him. And I was just content to um, chip away at the South because we were making some pretty fun progress. Fall, fall 1905 was it for me because uh, Village Idiot took Denmark. That was arranged. He asked for Denmark. It made sense that he take Denmark. And I said, sure. Uh, and France didn't ask for Belgium, didn't tell me. So now I have to disband. Uh, and that really frustrated me. And he was like, look, I'm, you know, uh, you know, it just seemed to be a tempo play and, uh, you know, you shouldn't be mad. And I, I, blew, I, I told him I was all fine with it, but that, that kind of play, I'm, I'm pretty giving as an ally as, uh, and if somebody does that to me without any advanced warning, uh, it, it does frustrate me. 
it was surprising how quickly that seemed to cool down. So I assume you just banked that away in your mind and intended to eventually get your revenge. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I as of that moment, I was always going to attack France. It was just a matter of how it would occur. And I figured since he was moving towards Italy, I, my best play was just to encourage him to keep moving towards Italy and pretend like it wasn't a problem at all for me. So as, as of when we we're recording this at the moment, I don't think Ezio's put out his commentary yet. Um, but I'm quite keen to understand, and, and maybe you guys know, or maybe you mentioned it to you, why he still kept coming at me, even after, Ed, you'd already stuck in the knife and were clearly just, you know, eating him up. Um, I, I was I was dumbfounded by why he was doing that. Did you, did you guys have any insight at all? He did not respond or send me one message after I stabbed him. Ah, Okay. Oh, well, I'm just so, going to have to wait to see what he says. <laughs> so I, I don't have a read on that, but I always in the back of my mind, because he was not communicating with me, determined that he must be communicating extensively with Village Idiot about how he could either Janissary or help Village Idiot stab me. Yeah, that wasn't really the case. He went quiet on everybody and... Yeah, I, I remember there was a period of time where you were starting to get nervous that it was um, he went quiet because he was plotting against you. But no, he just he just went quiet. Um, down in the south, and I don't know if it's kind of been mentioned to any extent on the uh, other guys' um, media, but one thing we were trying to do as best as possible was to encourage Ed's growth into France. Um, so to kind of tie up France where we could, not to kind of give France any... because. There had been some conversations with, well, sorry, whether we you know, put out the olive branch to him to kind of for him to join the Southern Alliance, um, but he didn't really seem to take it very well, and we didn't kind of thrust it back into his hand either, mainly because we saw it as an opportunity for Germany to grow, and hopefully get to the point then where um, yourself, village idiot, would go, okay, this is a problem. I need to start attacking Germany now, otherwise he has a potential to solo. But that uh, obviously never happened. And in fact, what we ended up doing was getting to 1910. And Ed, you started wavering and being worried and, and obviously felt that look, now was the time to draw. What was going on with your spidey senses thinking that Village Idiot was going to, you know, put in the knife to you? Well, I just thought I would have done it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, and... The, the moves, I mean, I, the, the, the moves in, in uh, here, I'll put it up in 1909, where he, I really tried to get Village Idiot to leave the North Sea. I mean, I was like, come on, man. You, and he's like, oh, I'm just not comfortable with my position. I was like, how much more comfortable can you be? Uh, you, you know, uh, move to the English Channel. Um, and he wouldn't do it. And then the next thing was, I really tried to get him to waive two builds uh, in the winter of 09. Uh, and he agreed to waive one, uh, but not two. If he had waived two, I would have thought, he, he, we're going to the end. Uh, but 
I just felt I was so ripe for the stab. And then I started thinking of other things, right? Which is Village Idiot made the season six Nexus finals. So I thought he's going to be really busy uh, coming up. I I had a little tragic life event occur to where uh, I was getting really busy. I didn't really want to eliminate anybody. I I wouldn't mind eliminating Ezio, but that was going to be tough sledding. Uh, so that's when I pitched the, the, the draw idea, which I don't think anyone liked, but I viewed that as my diplomatic victory, uh, to be honest with you, because I think I would have stabbed me. Village City, what was your take at the time? What were you thinking? So for a lot of the game, um, and, and this is probably legendary tactics, um, you know, he's, he's very much a, a stick over carrot guy. So for a lot of the game, I just had a big wall of Southern countries just pushing against me. Um, you know, they were telling me, hey, you need to go take care of Germany. Germany is going to be a problem. And meanwhile, every round they're they're taking shots at me. They're pushing up against me. They're lined up ready to um, funnel into me the moment I, I walk away. I, I couldn't get any negotiations in place to be able to say, hey, give me some space and I'll, I'll definitely think about it. Um, you know, there's a point in time where the juggernaut even had reoccurred um, and we were considering uh, working together again. But by that time, um, you know, I'd already had a very good relationship with Ed and we had built up so much goodwill that the idea of stabbing him wasn't top of my list. I, I you know, I just really wanted to see him um, succeed with me. Yes, there was some consideration that it had this gone on really just for the sake of interesting content for everybody else. You know, I probably would have stabbed this because that's the game thing to do. And, and I would have tried. I don't necessarily know if I would have succeeded. Um, there was a lot of opportunity that as soon as I rushed for him that um, all the Southern nations would be rushing into my um, Romania and Budapest. And, and so, you know, I, I would have lost some. So it would have just been a sprint to see if I can get as much of his territories as I was losing elsewhere. And I don't know if that was the case. So when everybody wanted to uh, quit, um, I knew I had a shared board talk with Ed. Uh, I wanted to reward him for his uh, good behavior. You know, I just, you know, it, it is a bit of a low stakes game for me that I didn't necessarily want to um, be, you know, a, a giant, um, you know, cutthroat prick in this one. I, I didn't really see any value in it. So um, I, I was happy to, uh, you know, and when anybody else was, and, and like Ed said, I, I was moving on to the Nexus finals and I was happy to be able to get the extra um, focus that I can focus on that rather than trying to juggle two different games. So yeah, when it, when it came up, I was, I was fine with it. That, that makes perfect sense. Um, so your, your takeaways from the game. So what, what were the things that came out of that game for both of you that you went, Hey, look, that really worked well. I'd like to do more of that in the future. I've never really had a successful RG before. And it's challenging, particularly because of the fleet issue. But Mm. I enjoyed it. And I think I, you know, you hear a lot about an English-Russian top-down alliance, but this RG was was fun. I, I would be up for it again. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it was it was a it was definitely a fun alliance. Um, I, I I think it worked, um, but it, it does take a lot of trust, and you know it's it's not for everybody. Um, I also think that for me, um, you know, getting more into this, um, you know, relationship based uh, alliance, um, you know, I, I I always had some of that, but this is you know I think we took it to a, a very high level in this one. Um, I've seen a lot of that lately, and. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it works. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, map my personal style more into that, um, seeing guys like Ed and, and other people doing this. So yeah, I think it was um, a proven uh, approach. Cool. And um, what, what would you kind of take away from the game that you went, uh, wasn't really happy with how I did X, Y, Z. I kind of learned from that experience. Anything stand out? Well, I was very frustrated at one point. This is going to sound really dumb, but I sometimes when I disband, uh, I'm running hot a lot of times. I'm just really mad that I lost a unit. I thought I made a really poor disband uh, at the time, and and it was a lesson to me to not just enter an order and hit adjudicate on a disband. <laughs> was, was, that, was, that the, was that the one in Bohemia? Yes, correct. Uh, but I think it ended up being okay because it, Austria took it as a good sign, uh, which is what I was thinking. But at the time, I was very upset at myself for it. But I just think when you're playing 24-hour deadlines, you should use the 24 hours uh, or some amount of time and not do things immediately. Yeah, okay. Yeah, cool. Um, BI? Yeah, I mean, I need to I need to focus more because sending that uh, wrong message to Austria was definitely <laughs> not great. Um, and yeah, I, 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 my personal recommendation is the idea of this three versus three um, approach to a game is, I, I don't think it's practical. I, I think it's obvious that these things break down eventually and people should be able to um, identify that and, and work around it. Um, and I also think it just makes it for a very boring game. Um, I, I think there were definitely stretches of this game where uh, the I think we even had one one round where just absolutely nobody seemed to move anywhere. Um, it was, yeah, you're right. But, yeah, it, it makes <laughs> no it more moved. <laughs> so I, I think you have some confidence and, you know, the by not having that, you, you do kind of force people into these situations where I guess I got to stick with this three-way because there's nothing else to do. Um, you know, talk, talk it out, work it out, um, try to find other solutions rather than just stick with this tried and true stalemate approach starting in, you know, 1904 and on. Um, people will see the opportunity and um, we'll be open to deals. Mm -hmm. Cool. And um, for both of you, look, I'm going to, as the interviewer, I'm going to be quite greedy and ask you both for uh, what bit of advice would you give me as a player? Uh, either things that I did that pissed you off or things that you thought that worked well, I should do more of that. Okay. First of all, you shouldn't badmouth your country's greatest export of fosters. That's a very, <laughs> that's a very important thing. Uh, I did lose a lot of credibility with you on that one, didn't I? <laughs> Uh, no, look, uh, you're there to have fun. Like that's, I'm viewing you as a person who wants to have fun, create content, have a good time. And you got to keep that up, right? Because 
for one, that makes you sort of harder to be someone you really want to eliminate. I mean, last year was Turkey. I, I got it. But this year is Italy. I mean, Italy is a tough country to eliminate anyway. So, uh, but if I gave you substantive advice, it was just like, if someone says no to the, the plan, and you do it anyways, like there's going to be animosity. You can't talk That's your way true. out of every situation, which as it trumps me is a lesson village idiot knows oh too well i've tried to do many times in my <laughs> diplomacy games i've made a move and then tried to talk my way out of it with a lot of players it works and with a lot of players it doesn't good advice good advice um village idiot what have you got for me i mean for me it was just uh communication i i, th I think we struggled to yeah. connect um i, I think you um, had some issues with, uh, I think you got a new job at one point. So we were just having some trouble yep. connecting up and, and um, time zones and all these different things. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I, I walked into this game, you know, really wanting to, um, having a, a high interest in working with you. And we just weren't able to have conversations. And, and without those conversations, there's nowhere really to go. Um, so I, I think you could have had some, you know, from my perspective, some opportunities to um, work with other people. Um, that just were never able to seen through. Um, gentlemen, I think that both of those um, points that you raised, or all the points that you raised, uh, are as proudly on the chin, and hopefully I can uh, learn from that. So. <laughs> we'll see each other in Meteor Wars three. Well, well, no, we're hoping <laughs> that next time around, Kana will play representing the po representing our podcast, but. Um, he, I think he's recently in a new job as well, so he's he's often hard to kind of get a hold of. So, would you would you guys both be interested in Media Wars three again in the future? You got to give me nine or ten months. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to, but as a non media guy, I, I don't really have a platform, so I'm, I'm fortunate to get in here twice. I think a third time around, I'd probably be pushing my luck to to get invited again. Maybe maybe Umble's trying to send you a, a subtle message, VI, that you need to establish a platform if you're going to be creating all this content. <laughs> maybe that's it. <laughs> okay, guys, um, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Billy. It's been a, a wonderful conversation. And, uh, yeah, great playing with you. Uh, look forward to playing again in uh, nine to ten months' time or whatever happens. <laughs> Same, Ambie. Thanks so much. And we're back. Cheers. Cheers. Now we've moved as well to. Oh we've God. been here before. Sacramoises? Sacramoises. Yep. Yep. Anyway, good interview. Yeah. Wasn't bad. Bit of fun. I thought it was interesting hearing from Germany and Russia's point of view, especially after listening to um, Legendary Tactics. Mm -hmm. point of view on the whole game yep. um, that, was, that was quite interesting um, to get the other side of the story yep um, and I like how you dropped me into it like I'm like to play the next Media Wars game well they, they probably they, they only come around like every 9 to 12 months so you know you got enough time to kind of build yourself up to, to playing it yeah giving that a go yeah oh yeah because you know you've been having a bit of a break from like normal games that require a bit of press. You're right. I will. I will give you a bit of a bit of sage advice. Give me some runtime. 
lead up to it. Well, yeah, yeah yep. well, that. But uh, I think also what, what's what's difficult, and this was touched on, I can't remember if it was Village Idiot or, or Ed mentioned this, is because of, um, I think it might have been Ed, because of um, being in Australia, or, and we find this all time the time, if we yeah. play like, you know, games, if we're always kind of out of whack. Yep. So there's usually this limited window that we're all online kind of playing and apart from that yeah. if you're trying to coordinate large scale manoeuvres it's quite difficult so especially on one day turnarounds yeah 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 um okay alright and your take on how did you yeah good good question so look I think we've, we've talk, I've touched on this a little bit in some of our earlier um conversations but I'm happy to kind of go back to it a little bit more so um when the game started, and there was a little bit of talk around this, about my manoeuvre from Venice into Tyrolia <laughs> with a view to take Munich. Why? <laughs> well, it's, okay, so a couple of reasons. One, for actually both both times, and this is some sage advice to you, Kane, more, more advice. I've tried to go into it from the point of view of let's make some interesting content. As content providers, let's do something that's... Try something fun fun and, and kind of really kind of gets a bit of attention and makes some, you know. <laughs> the problem about that, as any good diplomacy player would know, is that usually involves a high amount of risk and often yeah. fucks up. Yeah, which it did in your case. Yeah, significantly, significantly. So yeah. there were a couple of things. I, I, I did want to, um, I, what I really wanted to do, because I, I felt I could I was sending nice positive things through the legendary tactics at the start. And he was like, yep, it's all good. And I kind of trusted him enough to think that I would be okay with leaving my flank exposed. Okay? Yeah. So I then kind of thought, okay, well, what I'd like to be able to do is maybe team up with Germany. As a content idea, team up with Germany. And I also spoke a little bit to Florida Man and his England around the, particularly Germany, around the idea of taking France out. So that once I've got France out of the way, then that would allow me to kind of bottle up, you know, the Straits of Gibraltar to stop anyone coming down. Yeah. So basically, aiming for me to get Marseille, Spain and Portugal. Yeah. And so the other two would then get, you know, Belgium, Paris and Brest. I could then kind of lock things up around MAO yeah. to stop anyone coming through the back door. Yeah. Allowing me then to kind of throw my forces against Austria. That was the plan. Well, is that, is that a strategy or is that a, a goal? Or a, a Actually, yeah. <laughs> Certainly not tactics. Okay, so, yeah. Did you did you actually watch any of Ed's videos? No, I haven't seen Ed's. I've, I've seen, I watched Legendary Tactics. I've listened to the, that interview, but I haven't watched um, Ed's yet. Okay. So, Ed's, Ed's one with the, with the diplomats has at the almost actually does every single beginning of the episode he talks around um, his goals and he keeps referring back to his goals and his goals were always to to do better than Zach Moore did in Media Wars One <laughs> and to kill Ezio who was playing as France. That was his goals. His only goals were that. And I did reflect and, and these these goals came from Zach Moore's Original uh, his videos that he did for um, when he was in Media yeah. Wars One. Okay, he had the same type of concept. I didn't reflect on it. My my goals were to 
survive longer than I did in Meteor Wars 1. Well, you certainly did, you did that. Definitely did that, definitely did that. To try to make interesting, sorry, to make interesting gameplay to make interesting content. Sure. And I think I started off with that well, but then the practicalities of the situation meant you had to go back to a more conservative game to just stay alive, you know what I mean? Gotcha, so I probably yeah. failed on that one. So I passed the first one, failed the second one, and the third one was, you know, I only had no expectations to win. It would be like to part of a draw at the end. And I did that. Yeah, you're there, yeah. So two out of three out bad, according to Meatloaf, and I agree. Yep. So, but my idea was to do this take out France thing, which actually, in hindsight, would have worked really well for Ed because of his kill Ezio golf and start. But it obviously requires a high amount of trust because the idea is you don't want to kind of get France onto what you're doing until... 902. So what are you to do? You're aiming to get your army through Munich into Bergen. Yeah, so the, so the plan was that Ed would cede me Munich in fall 901. So it would look like I was just being some stupid idiot or I've got something against him or whatever like that. And France can go, well, I've got nothing to worry about Andy in, in Italy. So he can then concentrate maybe on, you know, England. On England or something like that, yeah, exactly. But if, if you were playing France, wouldn't then go, great, I'm going to jump on that, move to Burgundy and try and to, to get into Ruhr because, you know, get in on that action because Germany's been wounded. Let's get some hot, hot, let's get some supply centres here. That's a really good point. I hadn't actually thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. The idea was, though... That Germany would have an army in Ruhr to support you into Burgundy. Or Belgium to support me into Burgundy. Uh, okay. And then he could come down the, the the Belgium Picardy front down towards, you know. Yeah. So okay. I would then take Marseille, he could then take Paris. That was the plan. Okay. Yeah. But when you say that's a that was the plan, to have a plan, you need to have more than just yourself agreeing to a plan, really, don't you? <laughs> Especially in a cooperative game. <laughs> yeah, that does help. So, um, and I didn't kind of talk about a lot about this on tape with, with Ed in the interview. Maybe I should have in hindsight. But I was, I was using it as an opportunity to interview them. Yeah. Not so much, let me talk about what I plan to do with you guys. But, um, yeah, the idea being that, look, he would cede me that and then I would do this and come, he would then might march back into Munich in 1902 and retake it and we'd be all hunky-dory, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. But it does require his agreement on this. Which he never gave. And I proposed it and his response was, it wasn't exactly, are you fucking nuts? No. It was just, it was more like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but... I was rather insistent that I thought this look, this is all about the content and about having the fun. He's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. <laughs> so then I started getting the shits. And I thought, well, fuck you. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna get but I'm not going to go, to go for France. I'm just going to fuck you up. But but the reason I did that, though, was you, you saw the, the moves that came out of spring 901. Well, you had France moving to Burgundy. France moved to Burgundy. Russia moved to Silesia. Yep. You and moved me moved to Tyrolia. So I thought, look, between Russia and France, I should be able to get some support into 
minute. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> I've got no support. And in fact, France ended up supporting Germany back into Munich to stop me. Meanwhile, Russia just kind of sat... Did he sit there or did he go... I think he just sat there and did nothing. When he could have just gone into Berlin or something like that. And you pissed Austria off. <laughs> and then I pissed Austria off because... I, 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 had, oh, I can't remember the details, but I basically I thought I'd originally told Zach I was going to do something like this. Maybe I can't remember if I did or not. I don't think I did because I, did, I, I, I didn't want to have the loose lips sink ships thing. You know, don't don't let people know too much. But I thought once I'd made the move, I could tell him, and that he'd be good with it. <laughs> but he wasn't. <laughs> Because, you know, he'd left Trieste and Vienna vacant and then he started going, well, that's all fucked up my game, hasn't it? <laughs> so from the point of view of making interesting content, it was great. From the point of view of trying to, you know, improve my position on my, my power politics on the board, it wasn't that great, especially when I burned everybody. You've got to put yourself in the shoes of the other players, though. If you were playing Germany, and I come to you and said, oh, give me Munich in 01, I promise I'll leave it. Yeah. Would you accept that? I think it would have a lot to do with that, that meta relationship if it had existed. So yeah. if I previously worked with you or any other player, and I felt, this seems to be like, I know, I know the way this guy plays. And I think he's being legit. I probably would. Okay. But as you rightfully pointed out, this whole plan works better, in fact, if, say, I'm Germany and I actually approach Italy and say, hey, Italy, how about we take out France? But we're going to do this sneaky thing. Nobody will ever see it coming. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. You come in, just let me back in. But then again, there's also a high level. You'd have to trust that player because there's always the risk that they'll just sit there and nick. Or we're still kind of then support France into Ruhr. <laughs> All right. And if you were playing Austria, how would you feel about Italy moving into Tyrolia without letting you know? After you've left Venice and Trieste open. I probably would be quite nervous. Again, it would come down to the player, and if I felt that they were being... I probably would say, what the fuck are you doing? Okay, if I was, if I was Austria, I'd say, what are you doing? Kana, what are you doing? Actually, now you say, Andy, what are you doing? Um, this, this, you've, I've got Vienna open, I've got Trieste open, you know, what's the, what's the deal? You're coming for me? Blah, 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 blah. And then the other player would say, well, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to be doing this, wink, wink, nod, nod, take out. I'm going to take out Germany. When he's, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell Germany, I'm going to tell Germany that I'm attacking you, but I'm actually going to attack Germany. I would really have to trust that player. So you're right. It's probably not a very good plan. It's kind of like it's 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 it's. I keep doing these dumb moves, Kana. You know, between that and Germany opening to the east. <laughs> Having said that, though, in a recent game where I got a draw, a freeway draw, I was playing as elite, and I ended up for a large portion of that map of that game with an army in Tyrolia trying to tap Munich and Austria being totally happy and okay with it and ended up 
working very well with Austria okay. in, in that game. So, oh, we'll come, back to, we'll come back to that later. We'll come back to that later. You were in that game as well. Yeah, but we'll come back to that later. We'll come back to that later. So, basically, I got myself in the, in the, in the poo, or in the, in the shits, with everybody. Um, and look, people can go back and, and look at the, the gameplay, but I ended up having to quickly deal with the situation with, with Germany... And the problem was because um, because Legendary Tactics was quite concerned and quite obviously concerned about me being in Tyrolia. He must have actually had a unit in. He must have had a unit still in Trieste. It must have been Vienna that was open because in fall 901 he moved Trieste to Venice. Yeah. I had been talking to him about doing a Lepanto. That's what I was been doing to him. And that quickly became, obviously, it wasn't going to be happening. Because for, for yeah. Lepanto, I'd moved to... Um, uh, was it Rome to Apulia? That's connected, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I was ready to do the, that part of the at Lepanto, and I had my fleet in the Ionian. Yep. But... Um, he didn't want to do that, and instead he decided to move Trieste to Venice. But did he take Venice? No, he didn't, because I kind of guessed that he was going to do that and move Apulia back to Venice and bounced. Trieste back to Venice. No, no, Apulia to Venice. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, Tyrolia yeah, was yeah. trying to take Munich. Yeah. Okay. Which never happened. Yeah. Which would have cemented legendary tactics concern about you. Yeah. 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 So it took a while. It took a while for me to be able to start rebuilding trust on the board. Oh, I imagine. It was a good three, maybe four years, until I was able to kind of prove to particularly Austria that I was a trustworthy enough player. And then I just built on that to, to be the extent that if you kind of listen to his video, he has his assessment of all the players, and like he's always giving me the lowest risk of someone who's going to stab him. Yeah, that's right. I did like his um, matrix. Matrix, yeah. Um, his Defcon matrix. Yeah. Turkey. What was your relationships there with him? Um, it was up and down. So, because because Oliver was um, in the process of doing all of his uh, end of you know semester or whatever uh, academic year yeah. exams and, and whatever like that for university. He was really quite short on a lot of communication, and sometimes, and I think this was touched on by Legendary Tactics as well, you can kind of play to that by having just yeah. short, sharp messages. You know, you don't want to be sending those players long, here's stratagems around what you're going to maybe do, and here's the plan, and here's the option. It was just a case of, well, let's do bang, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah. So he was okay at the start, but less in talking, but it became clear that there was like a bit of an RT going from the beginning. Yeah. Which. By having that RT actually allowed me to be able to make peace effectively with Austria. Yeah. Okay. So that was good. And then as time went by, it became more and more obvious, particularly even when, when the Russian player flipped from being Lady Razor to Villagidia, that Russia was working with Germany quite strongly. It took about a couple of years for that to happen. But once it happened, it was very, very clear to the board that you had a situation of 
Russia, Germany, France were working together. They just smashed Florida man out of England, but like you wouldn't believe, you know. Happened pretty quick. Yep. So, the, basically, it wasn't too difficult then for myself and Austria to convince Turkey that it, we just need to kind of, you know, stop fighting because your RT thing is not happening because you're going to, sorry, Turkey's never going to get into um, Austria because, you know, I was going to, I, I made it quite clear that I wasn't doing anything against, you know, uh, Austria. Austria. And that helped Austria a little bit. And then it was a case of, well, yeah, he, he fell into line. So it became this whole, for a long period of time, a north-south alliance. And as, as, as we talked about briefly in the interview, I kind of made the, I tried to create a, an initial analogy of myself as an Australian, legendary tactics as a Canadian, and Oliver as a, as a Brit, to have like a Commonwealth alliance, you know what I mean? Like for the Queen, all that type of bullshit. <laughs> and they were like, they went along with it, so it was pretty good. Okay. Until someone pointed out that uh, I think Village Idiot's actually Canadian as well, because whilst Lady Razor was an American, because it was like let's show those Americans a thing or two, or, you know. <laughs> why, why do you think France continued his attack on you? I'd love to know. Um, I know that Captain Neem has done his big, massive ten-hour video of the game, <laughs> which I haven't even thought about looking at. So, great work, Cap. You're, you're, you are the well and truly the, the emperor of long play media in the diplomacy <laughs> world, but I haven't got 10 hours to kill. I've even got 10 minutes to kill sometimes. I was lucky, actually, because I was on holidays down the Gold Coast when you were in Stanthorpe, yep, yep. that I was able to watch, you know, all the Diplomats videos, watch Legendary Tactics, watch all of the lugs, you know what I mean? So, I got a fair amount of what was going on, but, yeah. <laughs> so, um... But yeah, when it comes to Ezio and why he kept attacking me, I still don't know. So um, he has said that he will be providing a much shorter, condensed review of his experience with the game. Yep. That'll obviously go up under Diplostrats for um, for the YouTube. So I do look forward to finding out what was going on there because it just made no sense. He was getting, even to the point later on when Ed is Germany is just gobbling him up. And he's still attacking me and he's not doing anything to defend himself. It's like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I must have done something to annoy him. I don't, maybe I did. I don't know. Yeah. But um, one of the things that we did decide from a Commonwealth point of view was to throw France under the bus as much as possible. The idea was how can we um, allow Germany to grow as quickly as possible, mainly at France's expense, which actually worked reasonably well. So that Russia then decided to go, Germany's going to be a threat here. I need to stab him. I need to stab him now. Because Village Idiot was doing a great job of sitting on the sidelines, yes. having units nearby, you know, that, that, that constant building an army in Warsaw, building an army in Warsaw, building an army in Warsaw. Yes. And whilst he was then kind of coming down, he kind of had all of Scandinavia, you know, he was... At the tail end, he started building fleets in the north. Yeah. So that must have been... Yeah. I reckon that was. And I was going, yeah, 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 we're all like that. But um, it was because of that that, um, you know, come spring 1910, Ed went... He could see, I think he could, see, he could see the writing on the wall, as we talked about in the interview. Yep. And went, who's up for a draw? 
and cool everyone was like, well, like me and, and uh, Legendary Tactics were like, <laughs> where do we sign? <laughs> um, and Oliver wasn't, was, was not too, actually, he was the only guy of, of us, everyone who was the sixth still in the game who went, maybe we should just play it out. You know what I mean? See how it goes. But at the same time, he said that he didn't want to be the person who was uh, the holdout. holdout. Yeah. Um, and in fact, he was quite interesting because whilst we had this whole Commonwealth thing at various times, on one occasion, he then stabbed me. This yeah. was the episode, this was in about 907, 908. Showed me on our last record. Yeah, where I lost Venice, Naples. You lost three supply centres. You're down to two. Tunis? No, no, I kept Tunis. You lost Venice. Venice? Naples? I lost three, though. Tunis. No, I didn't lose Tunis. I don't Greece. Greece, yes, thank you. He stabbed me for Greece and he stabbed me for Naples. And you lost Venice to... Germany. Germany. Who was supported in there by France when he stabbed France. Yeah. Which is fantastic. It's a good, good one. Great, 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 great you can move. get your stab, your stab he you supports you into a surprise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just glorious, really. So, um, but then uh, he, he kind of then decided, probably within about a game year, no, that probably wasn't the best idea, and then pulled back to the original strategy. So, look, overall, <laughs> a fun game. I enjoyed this one far more than the first one because the first one I was just like, you know, the squash. The kid in the corner just constantly kicked. <laughs> I was out of it within about three years, so um, it was fun. I'm looking forward to uh, to you playing in Media Wars Three. Well, I was thinking about how to um, how to how to make media content for it. Um, it would be interesting, I think, for you to be the. Um, the, the voice of reason and I can talk to you every few game turns and say oh, yeah. this is what's happening this is how I see it what do you think of the board now yeah. and we can have a five minute ten minute discussion over Skype and we can just sort of bind all of that together in one hit as a final oh yeah product kind of like what, what other guys have done for the YouTube thing just do as an audio format in audio yeah yeah, yeah. or um, you know, I know legendary tactics Wrote out turn by turn by turn what he saw yeah. the turn to be. But yeah. You have to do that every couple of turns. This is where the board's at. This is what I think is happening. What do you reckon? You can have that question answered. Sounds five great. Minutes, we just find all of that one hit at the end. Cool, cool. We should do that. All right. Will that help you commit to the game? Oh, it's nine months away. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, awesome. So, um, yeah, so you, you did mention that you you talked about your experience as Italy in a game that recently finished, which was the one that we played in together. You ratty Bastard. Ratty, yeah, ratty so, Bastard. So. You ratty, ba- ratty Bastard or you Ratty Bastard? Something like that. Um, so you Ratty Bastard, yeah. yeah. Um, so this was a Fog of War classic map? Uh, it starts in 1898 and it's built anyway, essentially. Um, so what do I say about this one? Um... You, so, so you start off with one unit, yep. right? Uh, so you start with a fleet in Edinburgh, or an army in Brest, army in Naples, army in Trieste, army in Kiel, army in Saint-Pete, army in Smyrna, you know, according to your countries. Um, 
and then you build it, go from there. So as you, you build up, but it's fog and war, so you can't see yep, exactly what everyone else is doing, what's going on. Um, and I guess I, I just sort of. So what was your? So you were Italy. Where do you start from for you? I started in uh, Naples, and so I made a beeline for Venice, essentially. Right. And because I started with an army, and my thinking was I was going to um, attack France. France was where I wanted to send my troops. Figured, um, you know, Austria and Turkey are going to biff it out, um, and I had no idea what was happening in the north. Uh, essentially, um, I saw you as England had secured Scandinavia essentially. Um, in the first couple of seasons. So. Yeah, so I started off in Edinburgh and I thought, look, I'm trying to actually remember with this particular variant, where did you say that France starts from? Uh, France starts with an army in Brest. Yes, so because I knew that France was army Brest and not a fleet, I was calculating that I would be able to create this home environment more in Scandinavia before anyone else really gets there yep. and then start colonising the British Isles so to speak yep. so that I would instead of having like you know this small little position of three dots I'd hopefully get six relatively quickly so or by, five so by turn four so autumn 1900 um, France had picked up Marseille Spain Portugal and had Brest and he built a fleet in Brest and a fleet in Spain's south coast. Unbeknownst to me, I had no idea this was happening because I couldn't see any of that. I'd built a fleet in Naples. Can I ask this other question? How do you know all this stuff? Because when I go back to look at my maps, I only see what I was doing. Okay. Can't you... What do you mean? How's... How... I went into um, the history and maps. Because oh. I've been... I've, I've, oh. Is it because you've got special, special mod, mod powers? I'm not sure. Or is, it, is this going back my... to the game? Oh, this is going back to the game. So go back to the... Go back to the game. Go yep. return. Yep. Click. And then what you and went then, to... So you can see the map there and using those arrows... Oh, right. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Okay, now I understand what you're talking about. But I didn't know I could still see the fog map. How cool is that? Yeah, if you just go back into your history by map. Yeah, okay. So all I could see at that stage was that um, Austria had built an army in Trieste. Yeah? Yep. And he and I had early on sort of sent support to each other. Yep. Um, although it could actually be a shoot. Could be a what? It could be a she. Austria is played by um, Josefina. Josefina, which in my ears sounds female. Yeah, I think it's more, probably more, more likely, but who knows? Yeah, uh, who knows? It's online. Um, anyway, but from autumn 1899, um, we'd sent love to each other, essentially, saying, I'm not going to attack you with supports. Sorry, 1899. Okay. All oh, right. Then you start bouncing each other, didn't you? No, 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 no. Um, so, here's where 
I realised that I was in a spot of bother, um, which is spring 1901, right? So I'd ordered Tunis to Western Mediterranean and um, Naples to the Trinium Sea, expecting to um, have a clear shot at France, having expected France to be focusing on the north, essentially. Yep. Um, France, meanwhile, had moved Portugal to mid-Atlantic Ocean, Marseille to Piedmont, which bounced because I moved Piedmont to Venice, yep. and um, Spain, south coast to western Mediterranean, which also bounced, right? So I realised that, hang on, France has actually got his eye, got his eyesight on me yep. um, as, as a target. Um, is moving on um, that quickly became a holding pattern essentially so I was trying to support myself into the western Mediterranean end up pulling Piedmont but there's not a lot further I could really progress further until something happened in the north of this France yep. um, who also picked up London um, it turns out at this stage that Austria was kind of setting up uh, against Turkey um, as, as its prime target. Um, and so I thought, oh, I'm going to do Andy's tactic and try to sneak through Munich <laughs> and get to France and, uh, you know, via, via Burgundy. So I moved to, um, moved to Tyrolia. Yep try and sneak into um, Munich. Yeah, which you must have been pretty happy at that point of time. So at that point, Munich had been taken. Spring 902, so about yep. four, four game years in, yep. and you go, Munich's still neutral. Exactly, I've gone, oh, you beauty. Germany mustn't be doing so well. Yeah. Well, he was getting attacked by me at the time. So what was happening up in the north then? So I kind of opened originally, so as I said before, Edinburgh and North Sea, North Sea, Norway. Got to build, build another fleet in Edinburgh. Edinburgh to North Sea. Norway to Sweden, and then in the next turn in the fall, North Sea to Denmark, supported by Sweden, and that worked. So then I was on to four supply centers. I was like, "This is this is wonderful. This is going fantastic." So then I kind of I think ended up going kind of popping out into Sweden to Baltic Sea to start attacking Kiel. And at that point of time, um, basically France had already popped into London, a yep. fleet, and could see that Germany was trying to send a fleet from Belgium into the North Sea. Supported that, and at the same time I didn't know that Germany also had a fleet in Holland. So it was like three units supporting in. All of a sudden Germany controlled the North Sea. And then from that point on, I was a bit fucked. <laughs> um, so I tried to take Munich, of course I did, but ended up bouncing, um, bouncing Germany. Um, in Munich, which was a bit of a bummer because that couldn't, that, that basically blocked my um, the northern pass around the Alps um, for for a shot at um, for a shot at France. Yep. Yeah. Now at this stage, um, Austria, I, I had a clear, that's in my mind. I'm thinking, okay. In my mind, the only reason I'm not attacking Austria 
because there was a clear shot at getting some, some supply centres there. Yeah. Easily, obviously, I could get supply centres there. But because France was pressuring me so hard, I thought, no, I'm going to stay away from Austria entirely. You don't want to start a two-front war. Two-front war. Yeah. Um, and I made a couple of lucky guesses, essentially. Um, I slipped into the Mid-Atlantic Ocean behind French lines in um, autumn, in spring 1903. Ooh, nice. And what I'd noticed was that there was um, a bouncing going on between Burgundy and Spain to Marseille, basically trying to stop me from slipping in there from Piedmont. So what I did was Piedmont supported Spain into Marseille and allowed <laughs> Mid-Atlantic Ocean to slip into Spain. So, oh, you devious bastard. Great work. So that was, a, that was a lovely guess, and that gave me that extra build that I needed um, to have a go at France. Unknown to me, um, Germany had slipped into um, London at yes, this stage. So yeah. France is... Um, from what I could see, I couldn't see him any, anything wrong with him, but he was losing units unnoticed to me. Yep. Yep. So, so, meanwhile, you know, I'm starting to fall back, so we don't worry about me too much, because I'm just going to start dying very, very soon. So what happened then with you? So you end up starting to try to just move around and keep poking France. You're kind of being nice well, with Austria. Yep, continue being nice to Austria. I think I'm just going to skip forward through to, um, you know, make some gains in Iberia. Yeah, yeah, you'll see that. Um, got Portugal and Spain in, in fall 905. And, you know, Spain and I, uh, France and I are kind of exchanging supply centres. I gain Portugal, lose Portugal. Gain Marseille, lose, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I slip into Burgundy and reach the highest... Um, Burgundy? Marseille? Uh, no. So oh, you did get into Burgundy in spring 1907. Autumn wow. 1907, I slipped into Picardy. Okay, Picardy. Yeah. Um, and then slipped into... Can I, just, uh, can I just mention, by autumn 1907, I was just down at one supply centre in Liverpool. So you were doing great at this point, compared to me. Well, 1908 was my furthest northern projection. Okay. I, um, autumn 1908. So I'd taken Paris. Um, France was down to Brest and Portugal. And he, instead of... Um, see, this is where he kind of did a suicide run, similar to what um, France did in the Media Wars game. Yeah. He disbanded all of his remaining rear units and kept his front fleets in Gulf of Lyon and Western Mediterranean. Um, alive, <laughs> just to piss obviously, you off. just to because <laughs> I could see at this stage, and I obviously I've shown Germany my hand that I was actually sneaking up through France by sitting into Burgundy. So, meanwhile, um, Germany's probably thinking that you're this big threat and that you must have dismembered most of France. I, he's probably thinking I must have made some gains against Austria, given that he could see that I had Tyrolia, yeah, but yeah, yeah. He couldn't see any further down there is only um, he could see that Austria was in Galicia but yeah so maybe he, he thought you were down in Trieste and Greece and yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> half of Anatolia <laughs> if I'm pushing successfully through France so he's gone oh I've got to do something about this Italian threat yep and um, takes Paris back off 
Um, I'm going to skip through because there was another surprise that happened to me. And by autumn 1910, I pretty much established a bit of a stalemate. It wasn't watertight. Yep, but I could hold it against the Germans. Against yep. the Germans. Um, with a bit of lucky guessing, essentially. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, um, this is this is the surprise to me. Austria is busily building fleets in Romania. Autumn 1910. Oh wow, because it's built anywhere. Yeah. And I had no <laughs> idea that Austria is building and I totally forgot that it was built anywhere. Yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. I've been stuck in my own supply centres forever. Um, so my next Isn't that great? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he uses that to basically um, he, he puts an army through Sevastopol and pops that into Armenia and a fleet to the Black Sea and basically uses that um, in autumn 1911 the writings on the wall for Turkey yeah yeah moved out of Seb though he comes back and takes it um, but he's, he's basically I want to keep getting Turkey out of the game I'm going to then focus on Russia um, but the surprise to me happened in um, where are we spring 1913 the action just keeps going. This is exciting. Okay, tell me more. So this is when Austria has oh! <laughs> two fleets out of nowhere. So then you go, what the, the hell have these fleets come so, from? So these fleets um, have been stuck into all of a sudden Tyr sorry, Tyrrhenian Sea and Ionian. And yeah, you're going, wait a sec, I've never seen you build anything in Trieste. How did that magically happen? So I, I realised that he must have built in... Bulgaria or Romania or one of that lot. Yeah, Greece. Greece. Yeah. Um, I can see the turkey been removed, so I figured he'd gotten some builds from that. How um, can you see turkey been removed? Uh, because you can see... On oh, the, once he was dead, no? Well, yeah, when they're dead, you still get that they come to, Ah, okay. I, did, I didn't know that because I died so quickly. Um, <laughs> so I put my drawbear boat in at this stage. Yep. There was a holdout on it. Um, and I figured, well... In for a penny, in for a pound. Either Austria's going to take me down, um, in which case I was going to throw the game to Germany. Yep. Um, or I'll just play through to the um, play through to the end, um, which we did. So I ended up supporting him to the Western Mediterranean to block up uh, the final stalemate line against Germany. Um, Russia was removed in. Um, 1914, and we drew three ways. Good on you. Yeah. And this actually... Germany on 16 supply centres, so he was too off getting it. So you did well to kind of get things to the end of having Austria realising that, no, this was this greater threat. Because obviously he could see Germany from a, a, um, a, like a north-south divide of the board... Yep. Germany's in, you could see it in Moscow, Warsaw, you know, so you can see that there's that line going from the northeast to the southwest, yep. that normal, that um, 18 points winning line. And Austria could also see, with Once you let him into in the western Mediterranean, that he that was in Germany MAO. Was in MAO, so he must yeah. have gone here, okay. So it's just like, France, sorry, there's just Italy and me left, yep. let's do the math, yeah, yep. let's, let's finish it. 
great. Well, well done. And the best part about this one, Kana, was there was points involved. So you kind of, your rating got a bit of a boost again, didn't it? Sure did. I got 34 points from that. Um, you lost 41 points, I noticed. Yeah, I did. Um, so I'm now at 1737. And I see you've dropped down to 1817. Even closer to the end. Yeah, this is this is why I'm getting I'm, I'm being increasingly reticent to join games. Oh yeah. Unless you know, I I think that there's a good chance that I I'm not going to lose as sorry. I have a chance to kind of claw back my rating. So I've been quite select. And in fact, one game I did sign up for when it was offered to me, um, which I thought was was good, was one of the cloak and dagger games that G-Man puts together. Oh yeah. So. Um, so it, this this game's quite a it's probably definitely in the, well and truly in the, in the late mid game I would say probably at the moment, yep. which is the uh, dystopian post truth knockdown drag out. Oh, I love his notes. <laughs> and the cloak and dagger series basically is to go around playing on different different variant boards. What over variant time. do you want on this one? We're playing the Who Controls America variant. Oh, nice one. Yes, yes. Made by a well-known um, not American creator who's not American. <laughs> So for any of those who are listening, if you've never heard of this one, it's a, um, uh, what would you call it? Basically, it's everyone has got equal opportunity. Like, there's no no advantage in the positions because it's like on a... It's an asymmetrical board. Asymmetrical. That was the word I was trying to think of. If you imagine, like, a dart board that's been superimposed on America and you use that dart board to divide things up amongst yep. the eight players. So... Um, this is an anonymous game, so I can't talk too much about it. But uh, as I said, it's currently in the, that mid to late game. Can I just say, like, just before we go any further, each of the players, the names of each of the players, you know, so you've got the Republican Party, you've got liberal interests, you've got conservative interests, you've got the underworld, Democratic Party, the military, corporate America, and secret societies. Yep. And you're all competing it out on some really quite humorously named with some supply centers and yeah. territories which are quite humorously named um, yeah. on, on, on a map of America. I mean, so, so I mean, we can talk about those very, very briefly. So um, let's start with the, with the Republicans. Obviously, some of their supply centers are quite logical. There's like the Republican leadership, the Republican primary race, and then the Republican convention. Um, corporate America, their supply centers are the media, the banks, and Wall Street. Um, the militaries is the Pentagon, the Joint Chiefs, and the CIA. Liberal interests are the environmentalists, the pro-choice movement, and the AFL-CIA, which is basically the union movement. Oh, yeah. The Democrats um, have got the same thing as the Republicans, but, but mirrored the Democratic leadership, Democratic primaries, Democratic convention. The underworld is the mafia, the South American drug cartels, and the triads. Yeah, but you're missing all the territories. So in between that, you've got street gangs, white-collar crime, and corruption. So you could have, you know, the mafia moves to corruption, or you could oh, have, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, or you know, the mafia moves to the Bilderberg Group. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Yeah. So, um, and then the secret societies are the Freemasons, the Scientologists, and the Skull and Bone Society. And um, the conservative interests are the religious right, the pro-life movement, and the uh, National Rifle Association. So, um, can we, you move diagonally? In this? Yeah, you can. You can. Yeah. So basically, you can and move. At the centre of it, you've got the White House and. Oh yeah, and Congress. Congress. Yeah, yeah. So that's a great point. So if you imagine again, like a dartboard where you've got your bullseye, it's kind of cut in two. 
So the top half is the White House, the bottom half is the Congress. And the idea behind this particular variant is to win, you obviously need to have a majority of supply centres. Yep. But in full, you must also control the White House and Congress to control America. Oh, uh, okay. Clever. So, um, but because of the way things are all working at the moment, yeah, you've got all these weird little things going on where, you know, liberal interests are controlling the Scientologists and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got some, you got some really fun ones. Like for instance, um, uh, the mafia and the religious right support the South American drug cartels into, into the, the Scientologists. Scientologists. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, or, or uh, what, what's another one? The Democratic leadership supports the Pentagon into the AFL CID. Yep. Yeah. So get get the military into the uh, the union movement. Well, what's another fun one? Okay, the CIA and the Joint Chief of Staff supports the Republic primaries to control the banks. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so this game's still ongoing. Uh, we might talk. We, hopefully, maybe by next episode, we might get a chance to talk about it a little bit more. But the reason I signed up for this one was I tend to find that you get a higher caliber of player, if I can call it that. So it's an invitational thing. Yep. So G-Man only said you can only sign up if he approaches you and says, "Here's the code to, yep. to join the secret, you know, the password sign up," which is good because that way I'm, you, you feel as a player who's kind of been reasonably well positioned in the rankings, but nowhere near as well positioned as it once was. Um, you got a chance to kind of play amongst quote unquote peers rather than a newbie coming <laughs> in who happens to be a great player, but hasn't been on that server before yeah. and just rips all your points out of you. So, um, I will say very, very quickly, because um, I don't want to spend too much time, because I think there's going to be like a trivia night thing here. There's been a lot of people turning up and there's a dude at the front with his little boom box. Um, this Divided States game, I can't talk about it too much, but I'm still in it. Um, so this is obviously 50 players, and oh, yeah. I'm kind of... I've taken, I've, you know, trying to expand my footprint from the last time we spoke, but I'm very, very conscious that I've got this player here who's quite significant. So, um, yeah. Mm. So you're not doing badly at all. You've got a good. Um, I've got some. I've got some. To how some of the other ones are going. Yeah. yeah. So I've got, I've got, I've got a couple of um, uh, allies on my border who haven't been kind of creating many my grief. One used to be used to create grief for me, but now we're getting along fine. Um, and then I think there may be potential for a new ally, because um, this one here keeps attacking that ally. So anyway, we'll see how that one goes. So um, I think as we would, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how the editing of this is going to go, Kane. It's going to be terrible. But um, we uh, there is a trivia night that's about to start here in the pub. So yeah. we're going to probably move on very, very soon. Probably very, very soon. Um, are we going to wrap this up and move on and do the Patreon, or do we want to? Well, let's just talk more things to talk about. You just want to talk very, very quickly about spectating games. Oh yeah, so well, you know you can spectate games. On, yes. Yeah. Anyway, well, at least so, on feed diplomacy and web diplomacy. Yeah, so you can. Yeah, fly you on get the notifications wall. that a game has moved to its next phase, and um, you can check it out. See yep. what's so one of the games that I'm um, spectating is uh, Chaos Game. 
okay. which is you know one a player for each supply centre. Yep. Essentially, it's a 30, 34 players. player game. Um, it's called Diplomacy's Final Form. And the one thing that makes this fun to watch is that it, all of the diplomacy is done on public press. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, wow. So there's no way I would sign up to a game like that because there's no way I'd be able to keep up with the press, essentially. But it's fun to watch, you know. You got time to read all the press? No, I just scroll back <laughs> and see what's happened. You, know, you, you just kind of go, oh, and... such and such has stabbed the other player. I'm going to read what their press was. Yeah, and there's a couple of, you know, it's a... Um, it's an anonymous game, but you know I'm not in it. I'm just spectating. It. Oh yeah. Um, For a lurker. And it's still early days yet, but there's a couple of players who have reached three three supply centres so far, mm-hmm. right? Which is a really good spot to be in in a chaos game. And they and so Spain and Smyrna are both at three supply centres, which is pretty good. Yep. Um, Underneath that are all the players who've got two supply centres, so um, Budapest, Denmark, St. Petersburg and Sweden are all at two supply centres. The rest are still at just one supply centre and there's already been some elimination, so obviously, you know, players have had to lose supply centres and the poor suckers who have lost out so far have been Bulgaria, Edinburgh, London, Norway, Romania, Tunis, Vienna, and Warsaw. So, yeah, it's an interesting one just to see sort of that long form, seeing how a game will play out when you have so many players, and seeing it sort of grow like that. Hmm. Very good. Spectating anything? Um, I, I'm, I'm spectating. I'm spectating some games that haven't started, but it's more from the point of view of like. Do I throw into them or not? You know, because sometimes you think, oh well, you don't want to overcommit yourself and say, oh yeah, I'll play that game, and then all of a sudden they all start, and you go, shit, there's too many games, I can't. Because of the work commitments and things, I haven't got time. So it's just a case of watching it and working out. Okay, maybe now's the time to join and throw your hat in the ring. You know what I mean? So yeah. Anyway, so um, last thing before two last things before we 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 uh, wrap up. Yep. Um, you've got the that summer. Summer series thing wasn't it? Was you signed up for a, a face-to-face? Vir- no, sorry, a virtual summer classic that's coming up yeah, soon. Yeah, later this month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, that's something that I need to look at whether I'm going to join or not. But yeah, I'll send you some information. Yeah, you do that. That sounds good. And the last thing, um, obviously, we kind of bang on about lots of things on this particular show, but um, one thing that we haven't banged on for quite a while is look. If you like the show and you don't want to kind of chip in two bucks or whatever like that for the Patreon, but you still want to support us, that's fantastic. Um, how about you just do a quick review? Just, you know, five stars and like a one sentence review on, you know, your, the platform you listen to at the moment, whether it's, you know, Spotify or, or Apple, you know, podcasts. We did get um, just the other day a, uh, another review, a five star review. Five star. From uh, the Mad Monarch who uh, said that we have an excellent podcast. He loves listening. Very funny. Would recommend to all players. So thank you, Mad Monarch. We would do a cheers right now, but literally the glass, he took away our glasses. So, um, well, yeah, jump on. Leave us a review. It all helps in the algorithm. Yeah. Um, just, and, yeah, just I, I, let's I, know how it goes. If, if, if I get the time and I can work it out, I'll probably try to create a shortcut thing like diplomacygames.com slash iTunes or something. It'll just redirect. But probably better just to go... 
online to Google. Go to the Google machine, Apple Podcasts, Diplomacy Games. It'll find it. Just you can put the review in there. Or however you do it. So we're going to finish up now and head off to do our Patreon episode. Find a quieter place. Find a quieter place. It's, um, yeah, as much as trivia nights are fun, I don't think that's what you guys are uh, signing in to listen to. Unless they've got any questions like, you know, <laughs> should you should you open to the English Channel? What, what, what are the seven countries to... <laughs> yeah, great question. On the game of diplomacy. I think uh, everyone would know that one. Oh, we would. We would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, okay. Alright, cheers. See you, bye. Cheers. Cheers. This is a quick correction. Uh, we've moved on to our next venue, but um, you'll have to join Patreon to do that. Um, I did make a mistake in that interview. I kind of, not interview, the um, discussion around the Primacy app. I thought it was for both Apple and Android. It's only Apple at the moment. I went to download it and have a look. Yeah, Kato went to go get it, so he could try to kick my butt on that. <laughs> but he couldn't find it, and I thought he was just being a bonehead. But no, that wasn't the case at all. No, it actually isn't there on the Android store. So my fault on that was. So sorry about that, listeners. Got overly uh, excited. Yeah, anyway. So, um, again, that's about it. But you're playing on Primacy. Yeah, I am playing on Primacy. What's that app like? Oh, well, it's pretty good. I was going to talk about that in the Patreon thing. This is our Patreon. No, it isn't. This oh. is the. This is. I was going to add a little bit on the end just to do a correction. Uh, okay. But right I can talk about it very, very quickly. It's um, it's great if you've got an Apple phone. Not so great if you've got an Android phone. Um, went loads. You've got this this blood splattering effect. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, okay. And basically, the games at the moment are like classic map. And I think they've got a... Is it a World War IV map? Isaac, I've already got games. Oh, yeah. So that's my game I'm currently in now. I'll talk oh, about yes. it soon in the uh, the other game. The thing I don't find annoying but is this load does this thing all the time. You've got your normal press. You can, you can only kind of publish to global or individuals. Okay. Oh, and that's the global map, is it? Yeah, that's yeah, the global. yeah. Okay. Where the props thing is. Okay. And you can kind of have your little tapping and everything like that. This yeah. is the... That's the interface there. Okay, so zoom in and out on the map. Yep. yep. You can do different things. You can kind of turn off words or whatever like that. You know, the name of the units if you know where they are. But um, from memory, though, it's like... You can join other games. Oh, nothing's been created at the moment. But there were, I think from memory, when I had a quick look at it, they also had, like, um, a World War Four game. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, okay. So, join a game. Um, anyway. We'll talk about that in a future episode, hey? Yeah. Go into a bit more detail about that. So, uh, again, thank you, listeners, and uh, we're now going to do our little Patreon thing. So, um, cheers. But cheers. Thank you for very much for listening to us. And remember, that quick review. Five stars, one sentence. We love you for it. Bye. See you guys. <laughs>